So I think there's at least four important things to think about whenever you look at a legal text in the Old Testament. Um, one of the things to begin with would be the name uh, for law in Hebrew, which is Torah. And Torah means law in Hebrew, but it really means more than that. Um, it means instruction. It means teaching. Uh, it means something caught that is taught by someone else that's received by, by others. And, of course, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, are, are called the Torah. But the Torah can be uh, a much broader term and mean really all of Scripture or even all of Jewish learning. So Torah is an intriguing thing to think about, that word, it, with reference to the, the books of law in the Old Testament. Because if you look closely at those five books of the Torah, they're not just full of laws. They, they are full of laws. There's 613 laws in the Torah, according to the rabbis. But there's all kinds of other things in the Torah besides law. Lots of narrative, particularly, and little snippets of poetry here and there. So that when we think about law as Torah, one thing to think about that's quite important is the way Torah is a complex macro genre. Not just law, but law and narrative, and with a little bit of poetry mixed in. And that narrative is crucial to Torah because it sets up and explains the law. And this is a really important thing to keep in mind when we think, particularly as Christians, about the nature of Old Testament law. The narrative that sets the law up in, say, Exodus uh, is crucial in introducing all the legal material that starts in Exodus 20, the Decalogue, and following. And this sort of relationship between narrative and law is nicely summarized in the prologue to the Decalogue, the prologue to the Ten Commandments. And that prologue is, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So, you shall have no other gods before me is typically numbered as the first commandment, but that preceding material is the prologue, the prologue to the Decalogue. And that indicates this narrative uh, important data that precedes the law. And what that narrative tells us, and not only that little snippet in Exodus 20, but really the first 19 chapters of Exodus, is all that God has done prior to the giving of the law. That is to say, in classic uh, Christian theological terms, all the grace that has been extended before the covenant and law is given, and Israel assents to it. Which is to say that in the Bible, no one earns one's salvation through keeping the law. One has already been saved. In Exodus, one has been saved by God's redemptive activity in bringing Israel out of Egypt. And now that Israel has been saved, they can, in fact, enter into covenant with God. And part of that covenant is keeping the laws of the Torah. But part of that covenant with God is the stories of Torah that establish, motivate, and explicate why law is necessary in the first place. So Torah is a crucial thing to keep in mind. Another crucial thing about law is the varieties of law and the collections of law that are found in the Old Testament. There are different types of law. Not all law is the same sort. You have a conditional law, which is sort of if you do this, then that will happen. You have absolute law, sometimes called apodictic law, which is, as you say, you know, absolute law. And so thou shalt not, or thou shalt. These are, these are absolute laws, the Decalogue for the most part. So these different types of laws, um, also different collections of law. The Decalogue is an important one, right? The Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, also in Deuteronomy 5. Uh, there's also the Levitical law, the Deuteronomic law, priestly law more generally, including Leviticus and Numbers. The Book of the Covenant 
which many people think is an early collection of law in Exodus after the Ten Commandments. So the varieties of law are important and the different collections of law. There's, there's lots of different law. And one might say that in the New Testament too, there is law-like material, material that Christians perceive to be law-like or treat as if it were law. This includes Pauline moral exhortation, pray without ceasing, or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There are also uh, the dynamics of the law to consider. That would be a third important thing to consider with regard to Old Testament law. And the dynamics of the law are uh, several. One is that the law is given by God, but it's also interpreted by Israel. They have to figure its law out given by God, but then interpreted and particularly mediated through Moses. According to Exodus, the Ten Commandments are the only law that Israel hears directly as a whole from God. The rest is mediated through Moses, which means it's going through Moses, is in a sense interpreted, if you will, through Moses and all the rest of the law from, from Exodus through Deuteronomy. So given, but also interpreted, and one of the ways the interpretive aspect of law is felt is that the law is very dynamic. Uh, we tend to think of law as kind of static. Uh, thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do that. And, and we think of it in terms of law codes like our own state law codes. But the Old Testament law is uh, dynamic in a number of ways. One of the ways it reveals its dynamism is how it's given in the wilderness but then enacted in the land. And the book of Deuteronomy is crucial here, which it shows that the, the law that for the land is going to be different. Uh, law in, in life in the wilderness is quite different than the law in life in the promised land where it's milk and honey everywhere, and in the wilderness there's manna and quail. So the dynamics of the law are important. Time and circumstance matter in the law, and Deuteronomy also shows this by the way it revises the Ten Commandments. So Deuteronomy 5 has the Ten Commandments like Deuteronomy 20, but with some important differences. The most important difference is in the Sabbath command, where in Exodus 20 the Sabbath command is motivated by God resting on the seventh day. But in Deuteronomy 5 the Sabbath command is, is motivated by the fact that Israel was a slave in Egypt. And so that's why they should rest, and that's why everyone in the community should rest. Even the Ten Commandments then can be amended or revised as needed in the time and circumstances that Israel finds itself. And this is further fleshed out in chapters 12 through 26, which add case law that seems to be keyed to the Ten Commandments and to explicate those Ten Commandments in unique ways. So the Ten Commandments are, on the first hand, not, not beyond revision themselves, but definitely in need of interpretation. What does it mean to not kill someone? Does that include homicide in the first degree? What about involuntary manslaughter? That's what Deuteronomy 12 through 26 tries to work out, those sorts of questions. So the law is given and it's non-negotiable, but it's constantly being interpreted, constantly being negotiated to figure out what it means to live God's law in God's land. So the dynamics of law are quite important. The final thing I mention about the law that I think is crucial is the main concerns of the law. Christians are sometimes want to leave the law alone, not pay much attention to it, but close attention to the Old Testament law reveals that its primary concerns revolve around justice, compassion, and worship. And those are three crucial things that uh, all readers of Scripture should care about. And the justice and compassion bit is particularly felt in the concern the law has for the widow, the orphan, the Levite, uh, the immigrant, foreigner, and the poor. 
and how extensive law is given that includes these marginalized people, these people without power resources, that keeps them within the community protected and provided for. And my favorite text on this, just to leave off with this, is this text in Exodus 22 from the Book of the Covenant where God is speaking and talks about how serious God is about the keeping of these laws and the protection of these less fortunate individuals. This is Exodus 22, 21 to 24. Don't mistreat or oppress an immigrant because you were once immigrants in the land of Egypt. Don't treat any widow or orphan badly. If you do treat them badly and they cry out to me, you can be sure that I'll hear their cry. I'll be furious and I'll kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children will be orphans. It's a stunning text talking about the significance of God's care, about the obedience to this law, which is about justice and compassion. And it's a kind of text that's echoed in many significant ways in Matthew 25, uh, the story of the sheep and the goats. And so even Matthew and Jesus in Matthew 25 echo the same sort of severity with regard to punishment over mistreatment of these less fortunate people. So the main concerns of the law, justice, compassion, and worship is another crucial aspect to Old Testament law and thinking about it as a Christian. Mm -hmm.